I'm Dr. Kimberly Manning. And this is Dr. Ashley McMullen. And you're listening to the Human Doctor Podcast, where we explore the human side of medicine, along with teaching, living, learning, and all things in between. Using the power of storytelling, conversation, and connectedness. Hey, we're two dope academic internal medicine doctors, but we ain't your doctors. So if you perceive anything we say here as medical advice, no, it ain't that. Also, the things we say, they only reflect our brilliant black woman magic mind and not our employers. You could have been anywhere, y'all, but you chose to be here with us and we appreciate you. Let's Let's go. go. What do you do, boo? Girl, (laughs) we made it to episode 60. Okay, yay us. I know, right? I mean, come on, four seasons. Yeah, that's a big milestone. That's right. That's right, baby. That's right. We did that. Yeah. I'm proud of us. Speaking of which, come on, new twist out. No, new twists. New twist. Yes. Hooked these up last night. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Good little upper body workout there. Hell yeah. After an actual upper body workout, I realized that doing the two back to back was not a smart, not a smart move, but. Yeah, so your parts in the back probably jacked up, huh? Messed up beyond all recognition. <laughs> we ain't going to talk about it, though. Oh, well, you know, um, I want you to know that your nephew, Isaiah, hit me up for some twists before work. Oh, yeah? Today. Yeah, because he's on, he has a, whatever it's called, like, they call it, I guess, work study, where you can go to work um, and get out of school early. So yep. he's like, Mom, I'm going to be home at about 1 p.m. And from 1 to 3, I want you to twist my hair. Wow. And what was your response? You know, these kids are my kryptonite. (laughs) I am just, I'm weak. I'm weak for them. I'm Mm -hmm. telling, I I tell my kids that they are like, you know, a romantic partner that's mistreating me. (laughs) (laughs) Are you in a, in a toxic relationship with your children? I am. I am. I'm in a toxic (laughs) relationship with my kids because they know I'm in love with them and I'm just, I'm weak. Wow. I'm weak. They be I'm taking weak. advantage. Yeah. And I be trying to like, you know, I, like, and I fuss the whole time. I, they're the monsters I created because I'm <laughs> fussing the entire time, right? Mm. As I'm standing on my feet, putting these twists in this boy's hair before he goes <laughs> to work. And I'm like, you know what? See, you know, people pay money for this and you know, you don't even respect my time the whole time I'm going off. <laughs> Only, only to realize that he has on AirPods, noise, noise canceling AirPods. He ain't heard none of my complaints. But, oh, but you know man. what, man? The, the the days are long, but the years are short. Yeah. And um, what I what I do love is standing in one place with my son mm. for two for two hours. It takes me two hours to twist his hair, and um, standing with him. And you know, I mean, he does have the hair hit, uh, AirPods on, but he talks to me a lot. I hear a lot about what's going on, what he's con- thinking about, what he's concerned about, mm. what I what ideas he has for Black Student Union. Yeah, I think I think just the act of black hair, like some of my greatest memories, have been connected to me getting my hair done, or me doing somebody's hair, or me doing my own hair. Yeah, like I can connect a lot of milestones and pivotal things to like oh and I was doing this with my hair oh and this was that was when I had did this yeah um and we talked on uh the the nocturnist black voices about black hair and all the 
joy found inside of black hair. And we, of course, we talk about hair nonstop here, but <laughs> um, I'm really happy that even though I have sons and I never really, I, I thought all of their memories coming up with hair will be connected to the barbershop. Mm-hmm. But this is sort of a whole new chapter since they grew their hair out into these twists. Yeah. And so now I'm like, I'm twisting one son's hair. I'm embarking into the, you know, natural hair salon with the other son. Yeah. Um, yes, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a journey. Yeah. And my, um, my uh, little nephews have also begun their own hair journeys with, with yeah. locks and braids okay. and cornrows. And it, it brings me immense joy to see black boys also embracing the, the natural hair Oh, identities yeah. so I'm here for it I count it all joy like the elders say <laughs> well I did have something I wanted to share but this is actually for a book that I have not read yet but I listened to the interview Emily Silverman did an interview on her podcast The Nocturnist with okay. Dolan Perkins Valdez okay she wrote uh, the book that's gotten some good popular press called Take My Hand oh I love that book you read it already or listened oh, yeah. to it oh yeah yeah, I'm to play, I mean, you said or listen to it because you know I did not. You know I didn't hold it in my hands. I can't sit still long enough. Yes, yes. Cool. Well, yeah, I would love to get your your thoughts because I really enjoyed the conversation that they had, mm-hmm. and of course, you know, like much of Black history, this is stuff that I'm hearing for the first time. These these mm-hmm. teenage girls in in Montgomery, Alabama, who were forcibly sterilized in the 1970s. Yeah. You know, this yeah. wasn't like that long ago at a mm-hmm federally funded health center. Yeah, so I think it's been it's been a minute since I um since I finished that book, but um it, it stands out to me because it was brilliant. Um it's one of those books that is um kind of um it's 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 sort of historical fiction, but it's mm-hmm. but it's real, it's rooted in in reality. And so it take when you finish it, you immediately go down the rabbit hole trying to find out, oh my gosh, what happened, right? What what inspired this story? Um, the author brilliantly through narrative lays out um, this this really horrific thing that happened um, to some of our most vulnerable population. So the, um, the the young ladies that were in this story, they were incredibly, incredibly low resource. And it just sort of shows you how some people involved in these um, types of programs that were like healthcare professionals didn't quite even fully understand what it is that they were asking patients to do yeah and how just just how how recent it was that that was happening mm-hmm. it's very very well done she takes it all the way to the then girls being adults and kind mm-hmm. of showing what the impact was you know speaking of black history this makes me think a lot about the iconic fanny lou hamer you know, Fannie Lou Hamer was somebody who received, you know, a hysterectomy without her consent. And mm-hmm. it was something she always talked about. Those babies in that book, um, she really describes how how terrifying it is. And as a person who recently was a patient, even when you know everything is scary. Mm-hmm. And you imagine waking up and having had a major gyne operation and you didn't even know what they were about to do to you? Absolutely not. Yes, y'all. So read that book. Listen to Emily's interview, because even though I haven't heard it, I know it's bomb because Emily Silverman is bomb. Yep. And thank you, Lucky Stars. If you have the opportunity to make the choices for your body that you get to make, because not everybody gets to do that. 
So ladies and gentlemen, you know, I have to tell you, if I had a drum, I would drum roll, but I ain't gonna drum roll, you know, because I don't have a drum. <laughs> but what I do have is this beating heart of mine that is like a drum, that is beating with excitement for today. Because what is today? It is a special day. It is a day that everything will go your way. And let me tell you why. Because the Dr. Ashley McMullen, also known as the person who does the production of this here show, she's going to be telling y'all a story. I'm going to give y'all one little quick disclaimer is that the good Dr. McMullen is a wee bit sleep deprived. <laughs> Us uh, academic physicians, we have so much fun at night that sometimes we can't sleep. <laughs> so sis, yeah. what is the what? Well, first of all, thank you for that disclaimer. I was going to actually, you know, put that out there myself, mostly so folks can immediately lower their expectations from where you place them a few seconds ago. <laughs> you know, I've, I've shared a lot of myself here, and I think many folks who know me know that insomnia is something I've been struggling with over the last year. And, you know, last night was just one of those nights that was really on the rougher side. So I'm going to see if I can string some coherent words together for y'all. The what, you know, I have to say, I'm also unclear if this has been used before, but, you know, we're just going to put it out there anyway. The what is transitions. I don't know if we use that word before, but as you have told me before that this is our podcast and if we want to use a word again, we can. So yeah. there you go. And for folks who've been listening intently enough to know if I've used that word before, thank you for being on top of things. Feel free to let me know later on. But even if I have used this word before, I think it's relevant to this story. So I'm going to attempt in my sleep deprived state to pull a little bit of a, a Dr. Manning type vibe here and maybe tell a couple stories within a story. Okay. And for this, I'm actually going to start at one place and then kind of go back in time. All right. So try to try to stick with me and feel free to course correct if I'm, I'm veering off path. The story starts in January of 2020, which I've talked about here. And many folks know that was the month that I did my first live nocturnist performance where I stood on a stage in front of a very, very large crowd, a sold out show at the Yerba Buena Theater in San Francisco. And I for the first time, shared parts of myself that I'd never really shared openly before. I talked about, of course, transitioning my hair from being chemically straightened to natural, but I also talked about this path towards self-acceptance and self-growth within that process. And, you know, the story was important not only because, you know, it was my first time sharing myself like authentically like this, but that story was really a jump off point for a lot of the things that I'm doing today. So telling that story with the Nocturnist was actually what brought me closer to Emily Silverman, even though we'd been, you know, we'd overlapped in our training. We'd never really been friends, but we became right. friends after that show. Okay. And in becoming friends, that is what jumped off, you know, us doing the Black Voices in Healthcare series and what brought us together, you know, to work on that project. And from there, of course, you know, that's where the Human Doctor podcast was born. Hey. Yeah. And I'll also say that January 2020 started off, you know, very unassuming and ended in ways that nobody could have imagined. That was also the year that I lost my grandmother. And I think that being able to start off the year on that stage and really putting myself out there and really kind of starting myself on this path of self-awareness and, and truth and authenticity put me in a better position to do what I needed to do when I was faced with one of the hardest decisions of my life. 
So the reason, the whole reason I ended up submitting a story to that particular Nocturnus show, and I will say I've been to almost every live Nocturnus show since I was a resident. And that was the first one I even thought about submitting a story to. A not so unknown disclaimer is that I'm very shy. And so getting in front of a bunch of people and telling deep truths about myself is not something that I would have, you know, normally done. But what had happened was that I had actually already written an essay about transitions. I had mm. kind of put it in my journal before I even knew that this call for stories was happening. Mm -hmm. The reason I had written that story already was born out of another experience, which I had kind of previously shared about. And that was in September of 2019. So I remember very vividly the weekend I decided to go natural, so to speak, and cut off all of my my straightened ends and just wear my my tiny afro and and be my my authentic natural self. And that occurred on a weekend that my best friend had come down. I had been wearing, like I said, box braids for the better part of the last year, very shy and and scared about being natural in a workspace that, you know, didn't reflect back a lot of natural haired women or just black people in general. I, that weekend, had decided to take my braids out in part because my best friend Amanda was there. And we actually had just reflected on this because that was actually one of the, the last times I remember like laughing so hard that my mm -hmm. stomach hurt. <laughs> <laughs> we had so much joy in that process of just hanging out, you know, watching a bunch of black comedy and, you know, deciding together, like, hey, let's start this natural hair journey. And in the course of that weekend, there was something like stirred up in me. It was almost like a point of spiritual discernment. It was just like, hey, like start writing this story down mm. and call it mm. transitions. Mm. And then within, you know, another month, that's when I learned that the Nocturnist was doing a storytelling event on the theme of transitions. Wow. And so I had submitted that essay and it got accepted and I started working on it for a stage piece. But to go back a little bit further, really the reason that I had finally made the decision to go natural was because I had just come out of a very, very difficult breakup. Mm -hmm. You know, as I've maybe shared before, you know, this particular relationship was actually my first relationship long-term with a woman. Mm -hmm. It was extraordinarily painful not only to, you know, break off a relationship, to end a friendship, it for me represented stepping out into, you know, a fear that I had harbored for very long that had played a role in many of my relationships. And that was fear of being alone, mm. fear of being seen as, you know, an outsider, someone mm. unloved. Mm. And, you know, it was a letting go of a lot of security that I had been holding on to. Mm. Part of what I was realizing towards the end of that relationship was that I was mistaking love for fearful attachment. Wow. You know, we we sometimes, you know, put some Bible on some things. And one of the things that always sticks to me was, this comes out in several verses, I can't quite pinpoint it, but fear and love don't coexist. Mm -hmm. You know, I was realizing if I truly love this person and if I truly love myself, the most important thing I needed to do was to let go. Mm, 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 Sometimes mm, mm. the most loving thing you can do for yourself and someone else is to let go. I've talked about that before. 
And I think that what I kind of learned in unwinding where I am now and to that point where I had kind of gone through this, this breakup and I'll, you know, even share some details that I had, you know, gone to this individual's house and like done it in person and it did not go well. Wow. And I remember sitting outside of their apartment building, just a whole mess. You initiated this. I initiated it. And then I left and I sat outside on the curb and I cried (laughs) and I called my best friend and she said, I'll be there in a few days. (laughs) That's right. Shout out to Amanda. Yeah. I guess the main takeaway in this kind of series of events was just recognizing that the path that put me on this journey to all the work that we're able to do in narrative medicine and like the stories that we tell and you know, the speaking engagements I have now and all the, the, the great feedback that I've gotten from folks who've who've listened and, and resonated with their stories. It started with me facing some deep pain and some painful truths about myself. And I think that this is what I believe to be true for all of us, that, you know, the journey towards purpose sometimes starts with pain. Mm, mm. All of us at many times throughout our lives are going to have to ask ourselves, like, what are the painful truths that I'm avoiding that's keeping me from doing what I need to do in this life? Mm, mm. I've got to preach. So I'm going to actually pause there. Stop it there. You're like your girl is in, it got insomnia. She's trying to. I know, right? That that was that was beautiful, and um, and I have so many thoughts. The first is just the old lady in me um, who has to say that even if you're not a person who is a Bible reader, there's lots of good lessons that can be found in that book. That's First John. There's no fear in love. Thank you. And it's so it's so poignant, right? Because love is not supposed to make you afraid. Now, love can make you vulnerable. That's okay, but not afraid to be not afraid to you know walk in your truth and and not and not make you feel unsafe so that's really quite huge that you thought enough about yourself to see that and do what you had to do and then there's just like always this this ripple effect right this is kind of like reflecting back on some of what we talked about last week which is sometimes something you really don't think you want to do can lead to so many more doors opening for you just because of what happened, right? Mm-hmm. Can open your eyes to things, can mature you in ways that you didn't really expect to be matured. But it can also uh, kind of break you down though at the same time. Because mm-hmm. sometimes even if, if things look like great professionally, because this did open a lot of professional doors for you. But I guess what I'm reflecting on right now is, is that personal growth growing at the same pace as what happened for you professionally. So in that pain from a personal standpoint, what did you learn from that? Yeah. So I think that there was so much fear wrapped up in that relationship. Mm-hmm. And, you know, not only fear of, of being alone, but also like the fear of facing who I actually was. I, you know, I'll admit that number one, like I, part of me had been avoiding like wearing my hair natural because I didn't think that this person would like my hair short. And I was afraid of not gaining their approval. Mm. You know, the other thing that I had realized 
in the course of making the decision to initiate the breakup was that I can't call myself loving this person when I'm not presenting an honest version of myself. Oh, preach. So really what pushed me to do it wasn't necessarily my own self-love such so much as, you know, wanting to demonstrate love to this person by, you know, not roping them into something that didn't feel authentic. Mm. But I think that what I'm I'm learning is just like it's just a constant iterative process. Even as we like break the glass to get through one seemingly in, impossible barrier, you know, we're still conditioned to avoid pain. So, you know, even going past that, I still find myself wanting to kind of backtrack and like, you know, seeking for, you know, the person or the relationship that's going to provide that safety or like help me feel like I'm doing the things that I'm supposed to do or the things that are going to get me approval by folks who have certain expectations about who I am and what I'm supposed to be. And I think it it just tends to short circuit the hard questions about who am I really? Like, mm. what is it that I actually want? Like, what do I need to do to love me better instead of trying this this mechanism that I've learned consistently over the years about how to shape shift in mm. order to gain mm. approval? Mm. Oh, girl, that is a whole word right there on so many levels. Right. This is what happens when I'm sleep deprived. I just, <laughs> you know, take it deep. Yeah, because it, it's like a whole nother form of code switching, right? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because we we so often do things to make other people comfortable to our own detriment we could be uncomfortable but if you comfortable you know if i talk this way or if mm-hmm. i seem this way then yeah but it's hard right because human beings crave connection mm-hmm. you know for the most part you know we we crave community and a lot of that community is intimate you want that with your sister friends you want to have close friendships where you feel safe and trusted but also your romantic partners, you want somebody that will like look at you in your entirety and and feel drawn to that. Yes. Um, but I think what you're saying is something that it takes a lot of us years and years to figure out, which is that you ain't going to be sexy to anybody unless you sexy to you first. <laughs> right. I mean, and that's just the truth. Yes. Right. It, yes, you, yes. You're not. You're, you're really, really not. I gained about 30 pounds in the pandemic because I was just, you know, eating and chilling and all of this stuff. And then I started going on and on about how I needed to lose weight and do this. And I would be saying this to my husband all the time. And he would just kind of listen and, okay, yeah, okay. And then I started kind of on this fitness journey and lost the weight. Mm-hmm. And I remember being like, oh, you know, what do you think? Look, at, I can fit this dress now. And he was like, you know, the sexiest thing to me is that you feel good. Mm. He said, but the truth is we've been together for like 20 plus years at this point. I can't, I mean, we're, we're going to get older and gain weight and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. He said, but if you feel good, then that's very, very sexy to me. And if you feel bad, that's hard because it makes impacts the way that you treat me and the way you treat other people. Wow. Right. Right. Yeah. So he was like, the truth is. I kind of liked you with a little extra padding on you. I thought it was kind of sexy, but you didn't find it sexy and you didn't feel good, which was making you not want to go places and not want to do stuff. As I also know that when when you break up from a significant relationship and then you spend a stretch by yourself, you start thinking like, oh my gosh, you know what? Maybe this is because I'm a person 
who just can't be partnered and um, maybe it's something wrong with me. Mm -hmm. But maybe there's something so incredibly right with you that the person who can handle all of that, Mm -hmm. they're still somewhere getting ready. They're they're still baking in the oven. Yeah. (laughs) This is what I tell myself. (laughs) Because, you know, I mean, Ashley, you know, you are a, a very thoughtful, smart, just intellectually curious, caring, empathic person. The person who is going to be partnered with you long term to have that, to, to deal with all that, they're going to have to be very, very confident in themselves. Mm. Confident enough in themselves to be able to treat you kindly, right? Yeah. Because people who don't like themselves, they treat other people bad. Yeah. Well, first of all, I'm going to take all those words and put them in the bank because you should, you should, you should take them, you should take them and, and cash them. They, they better than crypto. <laughs> but it's, it's true though. You know, this is still a, a relatively new year and that is something that, you know, I feel much more clarity on today than I did even a year ago mm-hmm. of how much taking care of me impacts my ability to treat other people Right. Word. Word. If there is someone that is baking in the oven for a long-term partnership with me, like, you know, I want to be ready too. But I also recognize that, you know, my life doesn't start when that person arrives. So I'm I'm seeking all the joy for myself this they year. Can't, they can't see me snapping. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm snapping my fingers, but yeah. <laughs> they heard word. it though. That's a really good realization to have. Because the other thing too that can happen is you can actually find somebody and be in a relationship, but if you don't like you and you don't realize that you don't like yourself, it's not going to go well. That's why we got to stick to toxic relationships only with our children and not with romantic. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. I, yeah, you know, I, I see how you, I see what you did there. I, <laughs> I do see what you did there. And yeah, you know, all of this, all of these lessons apply to my romantic partnership with, with my, with my sweet dear partner, Harry. Mm-hmm. Um, with my kids, y'all pray for me because <laughs> I told y'all they're my kryptonite. I can't. <laughs> yeah, Lord, Lord, that's not yeah. that's not a good thing. Well, but I will I will end by saying that in in this journey that is still very much a journey of self love. All it's done is brought me into contact with more and more people mm. who just reflect that love back to me, and it's led to deepening relationships with many of my platonic friends that I I value so much. Yep. So yeah. there is no fear in love. No, no fear in love. There is no fear in love. And I, I don't know who's listening, who needs to hear that, but I think it's something that just kind of bears repeating. Like there is no fear in love. If you feel scared all the time, that somebody is not going to be okay with the you that you present, whether that be you, the medical student on the wards mm-hmm. who shows up with your fluffy twist out, you, the queer kid who has your ears pierced, you, the person who is taller than everybody on the team, you're the person who's shorter than everybody on the team, you who doesn't have English as a first language, Mm -hmm. whatever you is, you are walking into spaces where you are afraid to bring that into the space. That's not right. Mm -mm. And the fastest fastest way to get people to dig you is to dig you. That's a word. (laughs) That's a word, ain't it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm very, very proud of you um, for that act of self-love that I, because you brought it up more than once, I know it was a very painful experience for you, but 
you know, for all the glory, there's always a backstory. So, mm -hmm. you know. yeah. well, I thank you for, for always, always hyping me up. Oh, I'm going to hype you up now. Yeah. Also included in, in that timeline was, was our paths crossing. Um, right. So, you know, I, I, I don't think I can, can say it enough. I'm, I'm glad for every single thing that I've gone through, the, the good and bad, because it's, you know, it's what leads me closer and closer to, you know, becoming who, I, who I'm meant to be and, and bringing me closer to the people who are meant to be in my life for, for the long haul. So that's what's up. Well, y'all, aren't you glad that you got to finish season four, getting a little bit closer to Ashley McMullen in this way? I, I know I am. <laughs> um, and while uh, I, I'm, I'm really sad that it's going to be a little hiatus for a while, y'all, but as an act of self-care and, and self-love, we like to give our producer a break. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> As we ready ourselves for another season. And if you want to know when the next season is coming, it is when Ashley says it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I see what you did there. Yeah. Well, I know that it won't be too long. Um, but, you know, as always, I want to say I love you, sis. And I also just want to give a quick shout out to everybody who's been listening. And I really, really deeply want to thank everybody who's reached out via messaging on social media, folks who've emailed me to tell me how the stories have resonated. It really, it brings me a lot of joy. And of course, a review and a like on Apple or podcast platforms, it doesn't hurt. That's not why we do it, but I definitely read those reviews too. And it's definitely helpful for us to see. I I, I just co-sign all of that. I mean- <laughs> Like we say at the beginning of the show, you could have been anywhere, but you chose to be with us. Um, and we and we really, really do appreciate you. And we hope you can see a little bit of yourself in, in these conversations or gain better insight on um, what it's like to be a Black woman in medicine, going through, you know, all the highs and lows of life. You know, we have experienced some really like catastrophic personal losses in this, since we've been doing this podcast. You know, fortunately, this platform allowed us to to grieve through that and work through that um, and show the power of what connection can do in good times and in bad times and in happy times and in sad times. So yeah. on that note, party people, we'll see y'all in season five. And Ashley says, we're going to go live. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, sis. Love you, too. That wraps up this week's episode of the Human Doctor Podcast. Special thanks to our favorite brother gastroenterologist, Dr. Chuma Obiname for the beats. Shout out to the Dr. Ashley McMullen for editing and production. Mad love to our podcast family at The Nocturnist and The Clinical Problem Solvers, our med Twitter fam. And especially shout out to all of you, our listeners. Until next week, remember, we see you and you are enough. Holla! Holla.